The other day I was uh, talking to someone about how we as a society misuse the term hacking all the time. I got hacked or they, they're a hacker or they were, my kids use that all the time when they're playing games online and somebody's really, really good. They say, well, they're a hacker. Uh, we see people all the time where somebody, somebody has a Facebook account that, that comes up, you get a friend. You ever have this happen where you get, uh, you know, a hacking basically is this, where they will crack your password or they will snoop on your online activity or install a keystroke logger on your computer. They will get access to your accounts by some nefarious means. That's hacking. But then there are like dummy accounts that get created on Facebook. I'm sure you've seen this, maybe you've experienced this. You get a friend request from someone that you're already friends with. You ever have this happen? You know, it's the same face, it's the same name, but then you get another friend request for a different account. And it's not them, but it looks like them. Here's the thing, they didn't get hacked. We'll, we'll say that, hey, you got hacked. No, they didn't get hacked, they just got copied. <laughs> so no, no one's gonna access any of their personal data. Someone just used their picture and created another Facebook account with the same name as them and pretended to be them. So they got duped, they got copied, but they didn't necessarily get hacked. And here's the thing, someone can act like you, who you are, someone can steal your picture, they can even get surgery to look like you, but they can never be you because you're unique. You're the only one with your DNA. You're the only one with your life experiences that has brought you to this point and created you, uh, caused you to become the person that you are today. And in the same way, our church has a unique DNA that makes trilogy, trilogy. There may be other churches that look like us, they're similar to us, that maybe they're similar size to us, they sing some of the same songs that we do on Sundays, they believe the same things that we do, but we as a church are unique in the way that God has called us to carry out our mission of making disciples. Trilogy has a unique calling to reach the families of the 380 corridor. No other church has our DNA. Are there other churches that are called to the same mission as we are? Absolutely. Every Bible-believing church, every church that's following Jesus and his teachings are called to the same mission. That is go and make disciples. But we are called to a unique uh, opportunity here in the 380 corridor to reach families, to help families discover God's love, and to do it in a way that God has gifted us as a church. And that's why we're working through the values that make Trilogy Trilogy this month. We want you to know who we are so you can help us live out our unique calling as a church. And it's not for me as the pastor. It's not just for me. It's not just for Pastor Jordan. It's not just for Pastor Ken. It's for every one of us. Trilogy is not just a place that you check a box on Sunday mornings. I did my duty. I went to church. You know, but there should be a difference being made, a difference in your life, a difference through your life into the lives of those around you. There needs to be a sense of ownership that you have and pride that you take in calling Trilogy your home church, that it's yours because you share its DNA. You share the DNA of what makes our church our church. Last week, we talked about our first value of new stories and why that's important, how God wants to continually do new things in your life, and we are committed to that as a church, to helping see God do new things in you and continue to grow you and make you more like Jesus. 
and, and though, that those things are meant to be shared. That we want to see God do new things, not just in us, but in people around us. That God would bring others in. That God would transform their story. That they would learn what it means to become a follower of Jesus. And they would become a disciple. And they would in turn begin reaching out to those around them. That God is doing new things in us. And we are sharing those new things. And seeing others' lives transformed in the same way. Today we want to talk about another one of our values that drives everything we do. And that value is strong families. New stories strong families, and then continuing on, healthy relationships and an outward focus. And we'll talk about those two in coming weeks. But today I want to focus on this value of strong families. And it is so important uh, that we have that as a value. From the beginning of tra Trilogy, from the beginning of our existence, I knew that this was a unique church. And I'm not even referring to the fact that the average is 6.8 children per family here. Uh, although we have a huge uh, number of kids at Trilogy. We, we, grow, we grow families large here at Trilogy. And there is just a strong sense, though, here at our church of family and an importance that we place on making our families strong and healthy. Everything from parenting to improving our marriages and growing healthy marriages to really uh, reinforcing the family unit and for those who maybe are single or those who are uh, at the end of life and, and they're alone, that they find a place here at Trilogy where they feel like it's family. Uh, those who don't have an immediate family of their own have found a family here at Trilogy. God has brought us together and he's wired us in that way. And today I want to remind us all of why that is important. And I want to show you a few key steps toward making your family as strong as it is can be. Now I know your family means a lot to you. It's where your closest relationships are, where the people that you know best are. It's where you find security. It's where we learn the most about God and his love for us. At least all of these are supposed to be true. That's the ideal. That's the way God intended for it to be. But we all know that some families don't play out that way all the time, do they? There are families that experience seasons of dysfunction. There are families that are broken. There are families that uh, are in the process of being healed and restored. Um, but here's the thing, no matter how much your family matters to you, it matters even more to God. No matter how much your family matters to you, it matters even more to God. You see, God designed the family. He even patterned our family unit after the relationship that he has with us. We are called adopted sons and daughters through Christ in scripture. Listen to this passage in Galatians. God sent him, Jesus, to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. There's so, so much family-related language in this passage, and this is not unique. There are passages like this all throughout the Bible that describe our relationship with God and to one another 
in that familial language, father and sons and daughters and brothers and sisters. He created the family as a place for us to grow and learn more about him. Family is where faith begins. That's where we have that introduction to God and to matters of faith. Some of, for some of us, that introduction is on solid footing. For others of us, it actually led us in a wrong direction and we had to recover from that. But we learn about Jesus and the way he wants us to live our lives from a godly family. That's the way God intended for it to take place. But here's what we all need to be aware of. A strong family does not happen by accident. A strong family does not happen by accident. It takes work. It's, it's not something just, you know, you wake up every morning and, oh, isn't our family wonderful? Everything's so great. Yay for our family. No, it takes work. It takes intentionality. It takes overcoming. It takes sacrifice. It takes sweat. Just because we have a value of strong families at Trilogy doesn't make it happen. It doesn't mean we go on autopilot and just say, yay, we believe in strong families. Therefore, every family at Trilogy is going to be strong. This past Wednesday uh, at our men's dinner and devotion uh, that we do the last Wednesday night of every month, I talked about discipleship. And one of the primary points of our discussion was this, that the first disciples you need to make are in your own home. The first disciples that you should be making are in your own home. We're all called to make disciples. But fathers, husbands, and this is who I was talking to Wednesday night. They were, you know, the, the group that was there. When we, when we are in going about the process of making disciples, as Jesus has called us to do, we need to begin in our own home. We need to be discipling our family. And before you look around you, before you look outside the walls of your home for whom God is leading you to invest in, and that's important as well. But you need to be focusing on your kids. You need to be focusing on your spouse and helping them write the faith story that God has called them to experience. Proverbs 22.6 tells us, direct your children onto the right path and when they are older, they will not leave it. It is so important that we begin that discipleship process right there in our own home with our own children, with our spouse. So that's why I'm talking about this today. And we're also, we're also as a church, we're developing a strategy to help every family at Trilogy to become stronger. We want to put mechanisms in place and resource you as a family to become stronger. And we're getting some things in motion now. And, and I'm working through the content and figuring out which pieces are going to work best for us at this stage uh, in our story. But sometime in 2021, we'll be rolling out a new program to strengthen the families of Trilogy. We already have things in place to help uh, grow marriages. We have our age-based programming. We have our Trilogy Kids and Trilogy Student Ministries that Pastor Jordan gives leadership to. And we're investing in that next generation. So we're doing that, but we want to do more because we don't want this to be our responsibility as church leadership. We want this to be our responsibility as a church, as families. We want you to be resourced to invest in your own children. And so I have two goals as I looked at this. Number one is to make it easy. And number two is to make it likely. I mean, when it comes to make it easy, you have, to, you have, you have enough work to do as a parent. I mean, it's crazy uh, the responsibility it is 
uh, to be a parent. We want to do everything we can uh, as a church, as church leadership, to make the work of parenting and the work of uh, what's the word, spousing, <laughs> being a good spouse, as easy as possible. And we all also want to make it likely that every family will make the investment to become stronger, not just possible, but likely. We don't want to develop resources and have them available to you and, and they just sit there. Uh, we want you to use them because if we're honest with ourselves, if the bar gets too high to jump over, we're probably going to just walk around. Uh, there, you know, there comes a point where you're like, yeah, I ain't clearing that. And so we just find a different way to get past it. We want to make it easy and likely that you will be an intentional family and use some additional resources that will help make that task easier. And so we're going to get this launched as soon as we can. And once we do, we're going to have an online resource center and a physical one once we get a new location. But we'll start with that online resource center where you can get information, you can get pointers for different special circumstances that you may be facing as a family. Because here's the thing, you face new things all the time. I don't care if you've been a parent for a, you know, 15, 18 years, you're gonna face new situations that you haven't encountered before all the time. And so we're gonna have resources for you that point you in the right direction, that give you scriptural principles and some great first steps and next steps in some really you know, challenging areas that we face. Here's some examples. Uh, blended families, how to deal with that. Dealing with addiction, facing deployment, uh, disciplining younger children, leading a child to Jesus for the first time, sexual identity confusion, things that parents are wrestling with in our culture today. And uh, they, will, they will all be out there for you to experience. And you can dive into any or all of them anytime you have a need or know someone who does. You may have a friend who says, man, I don't know what to do because I'm facing this, this, and this. And you say, you know what? I've got a resource that may help you and you can get that and put it in their hands. Or maybe because you just wanna be prepared in case you ever get there. You can read everything we're gonna put out there for you. And so we're gonna have some great resources to invest in you as a parent and as a spouse. Uh, we're also gonna have some kits that we're gonna to assemble together for some key developmental ages that you'll pass through as a parent uh, that you can get when your child has a birthday. And the kit will help you as a parent to tackle some important issues facing your family as your child develops and grows. So as your child gets to be you know, four years old, how, what do I need to be thinking about as my child turns seven? What are those things there? 13, six, whatever those ages are, we're gonna have some key milestone ages where you have a kit that you can process through some key spiritual uh, new chapters that you can begin uh, engaging your child in. Uh, and we want to do everything we can to set you up for success. And I can't wait to get it up and running. And it's going to be a huge blessing to families here at Trilogy. You may say, well, I don't, my kids are grown. Well, hello, grandparent. Uh, you have an opportunity to invest in your grandkids as well. And so we're going to resource you. Uh, we want to create a culture, though, of intentional families here at Trilogy. Intentional in your investment, intentional in your sacrifice, intentional in your love, that it doesn't just maybe happen, but we are intentional about it happening. We want every family in the church to be able to echo the words of scripture from the book of Joshua, Joshua 24, 15. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. And I want you to recognize something about this verse. Look at that word uh, right there. It says, we will serve the Lord. Not we hope, you know, we'll serve the Lord, but we will serve the Lord. So the question I have for every family watching 
this morning is this. Will you commit to do everything you can to make your family stronger? You may say, I'm doing a good job, but I want to do even better. You may say, my family's broken, but I, I want to do what I can to help bring healing. You, you may say, well, I feel like we're just stuck. We're in a rut and, and, and we need to climb out of that, move forward. Not we need to, but I will. I will do whatever I can. And if you will commit yourself to that this morning, I don't care if you're sitting by yourself watching this. I don't care if you're sitting next to your spouse. I don't care if you're sitting in a room full of, you know, 15, 20 other people. If you will commit yourself to doing everything you can to make your family stronger, I don't want you to just answer yes. I want you to answer out loud and with intentionality right now, I will. Now, I didn't hear anybody because you all are muted. But I'm going to trust that every one of you said, I will just now, and uh, that there was just a resounding chorus in the heavens of some commitments that are being made by husbands and wives and kids and parents and grandparents to say, I will do everything I can to make my family stronger as we head into 2021. So let's finish up this morning by talking about the priorities of family, not just making it a priority, but getting your priorities in order. Because the Bible teaches us a lot regarding how to live in relationship with one another. And there are no relationships closer than family relationships. It doesn't mean they're all healthy, but they're close. And, and they impact us at a great level. Matthew 22, Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. So this passage teaches us some very important concepts regarding, regarding priorities concerning our relationships. And here's what we learn. God first, others second, and self last. God first, others second, and self last. So the first priority that we see here is God needs to be first. We need to put God first. In everything, we need to put God first. There, there, it's not just talking about families. In everything, we need to put God first. But in our families, this is a non-negotiable. God needs to function as the center of our family. When we think of putting God first in our families, there's a lot of directions that we can take that. Obviously, we need to ensure that our, as individuals, our relationship with Jesus is strong and is growing. That's top of the list. You got to put your own, you know, life preserver on. You got to put your, when the mask drops down with the oxygen and your plane's going down, you put your own mask on first so you can, you know, stay conscious to help those around you if they need help with their mask. So you need to make sure that you are strong and solid and growing in your relationship with Jesus. Uh, Acts 16, 31 says, they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved you and your household, not just you, everyone in your home. And, and here's the thing. We read that verse, and this is, this is a, a powerful verse. And what it says that, that life transformation doesn't end with you. It propagates. It continues. It impacts those around you. It, and, and it affects everyone in your home. But some of you have a mom or a dad or a husband or a wife or a son or a daughter who's not serving God right now. And having a divided house like that when it comes to matters of faith is, challenging is kind of a not strong enough word, is it? Sometimes it's painful and, and it 
and it just, it hurts. It causes this, this deep longing for how things should be where it's whole and everyone is rowing in the same direction and everyone is pursuing Jesus to get as close to them as they can. And I've told the story many, many times, so I won't go into all the details this time, but I grew up in a home where my dad wasn't serving God. He was an alcoholic. And I thank God for a mom who put God first and showed my brother and me the importance of living for Jesus. And despite the opposition she continued to take us to church week after week and midweek after midweek and made sure that we had a foundation of faith laid in our lives that eventually led to obviously our salvation and my calling into ministry and, and eventually led to my dad's salvation before he died. So if you have a family member who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus yet, pray your guts out for them. Don't ever stop praying. Ask God to use you to be an example to them. Let Matthew 7, 7 be true for you and for them, where, where it says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. This is a, a verse that talks about persistence and tenacity in bringing our prayers to God. Don't give up on your loved one who is far from God. Don't quit, keep going, keep praying, keep loving and keep showing them what it looks like to have a vibrant, life-changing relationship with Jesus. But beyond your individual relationships with Jesus, it starts there. But how does God impact your daily life in your family? This, is one of, this could be one of those ouch questions, but I'm going to ask it anyway. If someone were to put a camera in your home and record a, a full day's worth of activity... Would there be enough evidence to convict you of being a Christian family? If someone were to put a camera in your home and record a full day's worth of activity, would there be enough evidence to convict you of being a Christian family? You need to put God first. You need to pray together as a family. You need to pray with your kids as you're putting them to bed. You need to pray together around the dinner table. Uh, do family devotions together. Make it a habit. And students, if your parents aren't doing this, ask them. Put the pressure on them. Speak up. And parents, make this a priority. Married couples, make God the center of your marriage. Pray with and for one another. Read the Bible together. Talk about what God is doing in your lives. Have regular spiritual conversations, not just nuts and bolts, getting things done, what the schedule looks like conversations. Have spiritual conversations with your spouse and with your kids. And outside of the spiritual disciplines of reading and praying together, how often does God enter the conversation in your house? As you talk about education, as you talk about politics or entertainment or sports, is God a factor in those conversations? Is he a priority only on Sunday mornings or every day of the week? Putting God first is the foundation of every strong Christian family. Second thing we need to do is, is have others second. God first, others second. And if you're going to do everything you can to make your family strong, then once you've made sure God is in first position, then give everything you've got to put the rest of your family next. Make it a goal to serve the rest of your family. An others second mindset means that it's not about you. 
It's about them. If you're going to be first in anything, let it be in outserving the rest of your family. That's where you should have a competition in your home. Who can outserve the rest of you? It's about their needs being met. It's about them getting to do what they want to do. It's about, oh man, this hits close to home. It's about them getting the last piece of leftover pizza for lunch and not you. Man, it hurt even saying that. If you're, if you're a minor right now and living with your parents, living others second is simple. It means obeying your parents. This is not just me as a parent speaking. This is me as a pastor. Unless you're one of my kids listening right now, then it's both. But the Bible is crystal clear on this issue. Colossians 3.20, children, always obey your parents for this pleases the Lord. There's no wiggle room in this verse, guys. There, this is pretty cut and dry, pretty clear. Children, always obey your parents for this pleases the Lord. Your parents are old. I get it. They are out of touch. They don't get it. And they like weird things. It's all true. But Colossians doesn't say that that's your out clause. It says always. And that is straight from the pages of scripture. Now, let me flip the coin over. If a kid's way of putting their parents second, remember God is first, so their parents need to be second, is to obey always, then a parent's way of putting their kids second must mean letting them have some fun and do what they want, right? No. <laughs> fun may be a byproduct at times, but it's not the goal and it's not universal. Here's what the Bible teaches us as parents. Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. So how do we as parents prioritize our kids and put them in second place? By teaching them and by disciplining them. Parents, putting your kids before you means sometimes doing things that make them not pleased with you. Sometimes it means doing things that they're not happy about. Telling them they can't stay out late. Going to a certain person's house. Watch a certain movie. Be on video games as much as they want. Here's the thing. That's not being a bad parent. It's being a parent. And we need to, we need to be parents. Selfish behavior, on the other hand, is letting children do whatever they want so they will like you or so that your life will be easier. The tough choice and the loving choice and the biblical choice is to put biblical and well-explained barriers in their lives that help guide them and direct them and protect them. How do we determine what those barriers should be? Put them through this filter. I use this all the time in my own personal life for my decisions, for my parental decisions, and that's Philippians 4.8. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. If it can pass through that filter, then it's probably good to go. But evaluate based on that. So many of the bad habits that adults have in their lives got their start when we were kids. The patterns develop from a very young age. I've talked to a lot of adults around my age who think back to what they were allowed or even encouraged to do as a kid and how it led to years of having to undo and unlearn what they experienced as a child. Once again, this verse I shared earlier, Proverbs 22, 6, direct your children. It doesn't say hope your children find the right path. It says direct your children onto the right path 
And when they are older, they will not leave it. And the most powerful way of helping our children make right choices and directing them onto the right path and to honor God is to make right choices yourself. By far, that's the most powerful way of helping them is to show them. 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Show them, model for them what it looks like to follow Jesus. Don't have a double standard. Show them what it looks like and model for them what it looks like to put Jesus first and others second. Put others second, it just works. And finally, in the priority list, it's self-last. Self comes last in the list of priorities. Humility, considering others as better than yourself. This is what love is. This is biblical love. It's sacrificing. It's honoring others. It's putting them before you. This is, this is the steroids that will help make our family stronger than ever before. It's also the most difficult to do. But Philippians 2.3 says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Now, why did Paul write this to the church in Philippi? Because that's all of our natural tendency is to be selfish and trying to impress others, to, to get our way, to make sure our needs are met. But God tells a different story in the Bible. If every one of us worked extra hard to make sure other people's needs were met by putting ourselves last, we'd all get our needs met. Okay, so strengthen your family by putting yourself last. Imagine if your entire family, if their goal when they woke up every morning was to honor God first in everything they do, and then to honor the rest of their family and to put all of their siblings and their parents or their children and their spouse above themselves and to put themselves last and to serve and to always be looking for ways to help them to succeed and to help them win and to help them get what they want and to help them experience all that God has for them. Imagine if that was all of our mindset every morning when our feet hit the floor. It would change everything in our families. But here's the real challenge. It's not just you, but your entire family needs to adopt an us last mindset. It has to be all of us. And as we wrap things up this morning, I want to tell you a story about a church in the Bible. There is a church in the Bible that was known for its good works, for working hard, for perseverance in the faith. It didn't tolerate wickedness. It'd been through hard times and it didn't buckle. It never got tired of defending the faith. This church is dedicated, knowing the word of God and memorizing it, defends the faith of its heritage and it challenges other churches and individuals who are slipping from the truth. It sounds like a pretty good church, doesn't it? I mean, that, that sounds like a church that every church should aspire to become. The church was gifted with talent and power. It did great things, but it fell short. In fact, it fell way short because it was without love. In fact, God had some pretty intense things to say to this church. It's written about in Revelation 2. It's a letter Jesus dictated through John to the church in Ephesus. And Jesus basically tells the church to get it right or it will be destroyed. Why? Because they were doing all sorts of things. They were doing, but they were not loving. The church that focuses inward instead of facing outward is going nowhere. And the same holds true for your family and for mine. The family that focuses inward instead of facing outward is going nowhere. 
We've got to, as a family, maintain an outward focus. Not just us, but those around us as well. Several of my kids and I love sitting down and watching the Cubs play during the summer or the Bears in the winter. Bears play at 325 today. We're excited to watch that. I'm a Chicago boy and I love my Chicago teams and I will never apologize for that. I will root for my Texas teams as well, but when they play the when the Cowboys play the Bears, I'm rooting for my Bears. Other than that, I will root for the Cowboys. Uh, but how did my kids come to love Chicago teams? They've never lived near Chicago, ever. Most of my kids haven't even been to Chicago in, in, at an age in which they can remember it. They grew up in Phoenix and Dallas. So why do they root for the Cubs and the Bears? The answer is easy, because I do. They see me cheering for the Bears. They see me groaning at the Cubs in the playoffs. And they see a model to follow. I have an influence on them. Here's the thing. Your kids are going to follow your example. And if they're following your example in sports teams or some other area of entertainment or life, you'd also better be giving them an example in serving, an example in loving, in living like Jesus did, in putting God first and in putting others second. And this is going to be caught, not taught. They need to see it in action. They need to hear it regularly as you talk and you pray about it. Set an example in your home. And as we close, I want to give you this last thought. The only way to truly put yourself last, to live with humility and to enjoy your life, is to understand God's love for you. We've got to get to that place where we understand God's love. Some of you, you struggle with everything that I've mentioned today because you don't truly understand how much and the way in which God loves you. When we get to that place of when we can wrap our heads and our hearts and our souls and understand the depth of how much God loves us and the sacrifice that he made for us, we don't need to focus on loving ourselves because God's love is sufficient. When you truly understand that, it will become the foundation for a strong, God-honoring family. Some of you need to discover or rediscover God's love for you today. Because you've forgotten. You're missing that factor. The reason your family is broken, the reason your family isn't as strong as it could be is because you and possibly others in your home need to fall more in love with Jesus. That's the first intentional and purposeful step that you need to make to see health and strength and wholeness experienced in your home. That is God's will for you. That is God's will for your family. And that's one of the things we value most at Trilogy is helping your family become strong, become all that God created it to be. Let's pray together. God, we thank you this morning that you have given each one of us a family. God, for some of us, that family is strong. It's God-honoring. It's moving in the right direction. For others, God, it is broken. It is dysfunctional. It's... It's painful to even think about. But God, no matter where we find ourselves, God, you've brought us together as a church family. You've connected us as a family that we can encourage one another and help one another and walk through the mess with one another. And God, I pray that you would help those who find themselves without a healthy family at home. God, to find a healthy family here at Trilogy and to find people who would pour into them and encourage them and help them as they try their best and do everything they can to invest in their own family. 
God, I pray that you would keep us in the right priority model for our families at home, that we would put you first, we would put the rest of our family second and put ourselves last. And God, I pray for, for those hearing this message today who need to put you first, that you're not first in their lives. God, I pray that you would get them back on solid footing in their relationship with you. And if they've never made a decision to follow you, God, let today be the day where they say, I need to make a decision to follow Jesus once and for all. Jesus, come into my life. I want to follow you. I need you to forgive me. And I'm going to follow you for the rest of my life, no matter what it takes. You are first in my life from this point forward. And for those who have maybe taken some steps off the right path and they've, they've begun to drift and they need to refocus and they need to get back to that place, rediscover their first love in you. God, let them make that commitment today. And then God, I pray that you would help us to prioritize our family. God, let us be in a constant battle in our homes to outserve one another. God, to, to love one another by putting others first, sacrificially honoring those in our family. God, let us put self last. God, let us serve in humility. God, let us rely on your love to strengthen us and encourage us and to move us forward. God, we thank you for the strong families we see at Trilogy, but God, I pray that they would become even more so. God, let 2021 be an incredible year for families at Trilogy. Let us see families restored. Let us see marriages whole again. Let us see uh, children who had drifted and were prodigals. Let them come back home. Let them be welcomed with open arms. God, let us see miraculous stories, new stories in our families in this coming year. We thank you, God, for all you're going to do. And we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.